Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Praise be the Lord. Thanks be to God. He's brought us here again. It's good to be in the house of my God. Anyway, um, if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Welcome to all you coming into Gospel Saving Church here in my home in McKinney, Texas. And thank you all for coming from uh, Gospel Saving Church, SoundCloud, all over the world. God bless you and thank you for joining us today. If you guys want to join us, want a word of prayer, please, before we start a service, we ask God to bless my words and and bless my mouth so I know, uh, you know, I, I can say things right because I can't do this on my own. So uh, join me, please. Lord, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Lord God, for your great love. Thank you, Lord, for your great mercy. Lord, thank you, Lord, for, for your truths, Lord, of your word. Um, Lord, we just can't thank you enough, Lord, for all the many blessings that we have each and every day. Even when we're going through tough times, Lord, we still have your many blessings, Lord, to and your many great rich promises, Lord, that we have to lean back on, Lord, and, and we can trust in you and run to you for our refuge. And so, Lord, we just ask that you'd help us today. Help us to understand your words. Help us to understand your heart here, the scripture. Help us to understand, you know, the things which you want to tell us, which the things which you want us to do. Lord, is this most most important thing that anybody could do in this life is hear from you and do the things which you say to do and be the person that you want them to be, Lord God. For nothing else matters. For the, Just the things in this life don't matter at all if we live for them because they end someday soon, very soon. Could even be today. As I know that uh, somebody that I knew just a couple weeks ago just, just died in his 50s, Lord. And so no day, no moment is promised. So Lord, may we just be focused on what you want us to do, Lord, for the next life, Lord, not just for this life alone. And Lord, uh, we pray that we would hear you clearly, Lord, and, and not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word also, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would teach us today and speak to us today through my mouth and and uh, that we'd hear you clearly, Lord, and that you'd keep the devil out, Lord, as he's always around, always doing something, always messing around with, with our minds or always trying to Get us to do this. It's not from you. And always trying to do that. That's not from you, Lord. So lead us and guide us in your ways, Lord. And, and help us to hear your ways and your heart clearly. We love you and praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we're going to be today in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 21. So we're going to study about seven or eight verses today. Again, that's 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verses 14 through 21. And if you want to be turning there, or if you just want to hear me listen along, you're more than welcome to. Um, I'm going to read it after my thoughts from last week's message. Christ-centric or self-centric. So I want you to not be deceived. Be not deceived to Christians that are listening to this message. I assure you, if you listen to last week's message, Paul was writing to you and what he said last week. Why do I say that? Remember, my sermon last week was focused on the main idea behind 2 Timothy 2, 5, uh, where Paul says, And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And remember how we talked about how Paul wasn't just talking about a physical thing that people do. We can compare that physical thing to what the Bible's written to a spiritual aspect. And that, Paul was saying that Christians... We must, if we've been saved, run the race for Christ according to God's rules in order to get the crown of life, right? Um, this is exactly what the whole scripture was, you know, what I taught on last week was kind of bent around. Uh, we would all agree that Paul was writing to Timothy, and Timothy was what? He wasn't an unbeliever. He was a pastor of a Christian church. He was a Christian, right? Unbelievers aren't running anyone's race except for their own and by their own rules, right? And we would agree also that Christians would be the only ones running the race for God that would be aiming for the crown of life, like we talked about from James, because that's the crown that Paul was talking about, right? The crown of life. So that means for Christians that we need to be careful to make sure we're staying focused on running the race of faith for God by His rules and not stopping until what? Till we see God's face. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. This is what God wants from us. 
This is what we ought to be focused on doing every single day. Running the race according to God's rules so that we can get the crown of life which God has stored up, God has saved, God has promised to those who love Him. Right, James? We must finish the race for Christ by running according to God's rules to get the crown of eternal life. So many people today, though, believe falsely on this idea. And since this truth is the truth, it's not my truth or you know your truth, but God's truth, and Paul wrote it to Timothy, right? And Timothy was a Christian, so it's not something, just, well, that's just my spin. Paul wrote it to Timothy. There's no plainer way it could have gotten, right? By what Paul said, if a Christian doesn't finish the race in Christ, and according to the rules that God has laid down, they're going to end up being turned away the day they see God. And I don't want to see that happen. I don't want anybody that's a real Christian to have that happen to them because they were deceived by a false teacher who tells them that, yeah, well, you know, as long as you're saved, you're, you're good to go. You can live any way you want. Christians, please be careful to work out your salvation with bite. Fear and trembling. It's your eternity you're dealing with, so don't fool around. If, if you have fallen into faithlessness and you stopped trusting in God totally, or you've fallen into a willful, sinful lifestyle where you're living a self-centric life instead of a Christ-centric life, please turn again to Christ and surrender, repent again, and start to live a Christ-centric life before it's too late and you die in your sins and you are judged and you lose your crown. Because that crown is only for those who love God until they die. There is a reason Jesus said, Luke 13, 24, Jesus said, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Strive, Christians, strive. Lay hold on the promises which God has given you and strive to enter through the narrow gate. Don't take it for granted. Please don't take what God has given you for granted. All right, well, let's switch gears and get into our new sermon, our title of our new sermon Kind of like the other one, then this kind of this whole chapter revolves around almost, you know, the Christ-centric life and the self-centric life. And this whole chapter really talks about that. So our new title is going to kind of be along that same lines. Uh, it's actually a, a partial verse out of our uh, sermon for today. Paul says to Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Again, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Kind of like the same thing, right? Strive to enter through the narrow gate, right? Run the race according to the rules to get the crown. Kind of these are all, again, verses right out of this whole chapter. So I'm not making this up. This is Paul's words here. So let's read 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 21, and then I'll teach it and see what Paul has to say to us here. 2 Timothy 2, 14, Paul says to Timothy, Remind them of these things, comma, that's big, I'll point that out later, charging them before the Lord not to strive about the words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun, look at what he tells them to shun here, shun profane and idle babblings. For they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those that are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Iniquity is sin, by the way. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So, I just spoke to you about how we need to be careful, right? Careful to run the race for Christ by God's rules, right? And how... 
Jesus said in Luke, striving to enter through the narrow gate. I just told you this. And this is what I said. All last week's message was on really that, that running the race properly and, and, and doing things God's way to be pleasing to God. Because, you know, if we're not, if we're getting entangled in the world and we're self-centric versus Christ-centric, then that's not pleasing to God. Second Timothy 2, I believe it's 4, right? And we just got done talking all about that and how Paul wrote that to Timothy. Well, and I told you many times, hey guys, you know, the Bible wasn't, although Paul wrote it to Timothy, really, Paul writes this to Timothy, but it's really to all Christians. And I've said this many times, and here we see it. Did you hear here what Paul was exhorting Timothy to do and why in this next section of Scripture? Look at that verse 14 first line again, where then Paul says he starts off this section here, remind them of these things. Now, he's pointing out these things, the things that he just talked about. This whole chapter up to this point, really, you could say, he's, remind them of everything I've taught you, Timothy. Hey, I know this is what we talked about, running the race, staying faithful to God, you know, being pleasing to God. Remind them, remind all the Christians in your church, this is how I want, this is what God expects. God expects you to run, if you're a Christian, Christians in the church, to run the race according to the rules, to run the race to the finish line, right? Obviously, we know, although Paul didn't say it, but part of the rules to getting the crown in any race is you got to finish the race, right? Any runner that's running the race doesn't run the race and they stop 10 feet short and they were the winner up to 10 feet short. And if they stop and somebody passes them by, well, then they lose still. So you must finish the race not only by the rules, and one of those rules is you got to finish the race. So we not only have to run the race according to the rules, we got to finish the race. Remind them of all these things. Paul, writing to Timothy, writing to the whole church in Ephesus. Keep that in mind. Then the big comma, the big comma. Remind them of all these things, comma. Then he starts on some new things. Look at this. Charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. He adds, listen to this, charging them before the Lord. What does this mean? Earnestly telling them. Earnestly telling them as if God were right here in the room looking at you. Hey guys, God right here. Look, he's looking, he's right here, he's watching you right now. He wants you to know this. That's pretty serious. You know, whenever we think about things that God says, we do it. It would be important for us to think about how God is really always right here. He sees everything. He knows all. He sees all. He is everywhere. So whenever we look at God's word, Paul says here, remind and charge them before the Lord. Hey, the Lord's right here and he's looking at you as I'm telling you this. We're going to take God's words knowing that God's standing here a lot more serious than we're going to take somebody's word or God's word if we don't think he's standing here, right? So this is an important thing that Paul's pointing out here now too. Hey, charge them before the Lord. Is it the Lord was right here, what? Not to strive about, let's read it again. Not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. So tell them, don't get involved with having arguments with others that don't profit. And in fact, that ruin those that are listening to you, both you and them. What's he saying? He's not saying here that we can't have civil discussions or discussions of disagreement. These, if done right, and we all know what it means to have a civil discussion. We're talking back and forth, and maybe we disagree, but hey, we're able to disagree. And, you know, hey, oh, I just don't agree with what you're saying. Well, you know, I can't believe it. Well, you know, I'm sorry. I just don't see it your way. And, well, you know, okay, well, this is why I see it this way, whether you believe it or not. This is what I see. And here's the reasons why. Oh, well, I understand that. And here's why. I don't. And that's a civil discussion. Paul's not saying we can't have civil discussions with others maybe of disagreement or so on and so forth. These done right are edifying to all that listen. 
He's talking rather here about having arguments that start as discussions, but they turn south and they get vicious and cruel and mean. And unfortunately, I have this, not I have it anymore, but in my own family, uh, me and one of my other family members, we kind of have this problem. I've had it in the past. And so after this actual study of scripture, God showed me, hey, my son Ed, by the way, you really haven't been following this part of my word because, you know, you really kind of, you start those discussions with your family member and they don't really turn out well, you know, they kind of ruin the hearers. So I had to repent of that myself this week. It's a very easy thing to fall into. There are discussions that they start out good, but then what happens is, is, is because of pride and hard-headedness. And, you know, I know from years past that how they kind of get, you know, you start out, they start out good, and they start out good and healthy and holy and, and edifying, but then all of a sudden some disagreements come in and, and this, that, and the other thing. And what happens is before you know it, we're yelling and we're angry and tempers are flying and the outcome of these is really, it's not good. It's terrible. And just like Paul says here, that there are conversations that they ruin those that are listening. They ruin the, their ruin to the hearers. And all of us certainly know what kind of argument that this is like. Amen. I can't be the only one that's got to confess this to you because the Bible says we're supposed to confess our sins to one another so that we may be healed. Well, I'm telling you that I've had a problem with this in the past, and I know a lot of people that have had a problem with this in the past. So I've stopped. I pray you do too. Paul says here that Christians should refrain from having these kind of conversations with others. Why? Why might Paul be saying that we need to refrain, not have these kind of conversations? Well, as I said earlier, as you get into these kind of conversations, tempers flare, those getting involved get angry, usually mixed with some wrath, and you throw in a little hatred in there, and what do you have? You've got a good mixture for sin, 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 and more sin, and it increases the sin, and whenever, whenever sin comes in, well, of course, we know the Bible says that sin separates us from God. So when we're sinning, we can't expect to have an intimate relationship with God because we're sinning, Right? So, but that's not all. There's also more bad that comes from these. Usually, in these arguments, as they become uh, more intense and more heated, usually division happens between the two. So it isn't just sin between you and God when you get into these arguments, Christians. It's sin between you and this other person. Because then you guys divide, and when you divide, well, love ceases and really, this is, there's, there's nothing good that comes from these two things but sin between God and sin between you. I, I used to have a brother in the Lord that we would get off starting about some good discussions, and he had a point of Scripture that he uh, would, would believe, and I disagreed with his point of Scripture, and they would start off good, and before you know it, two hours would go by, and at the end of two hours, we weren't really being that nice, and we were being rude with one another, and the discussion should have ended after 15 minutes because it really wasn't, it wouldn't go anywhere. And I wasn't going to believe his point about scripture and he wasn't going to believe my point about scripture. And so instead of agreeing to disagree, we continued to push it because of pride and hardheadedness. And they really never ended very good at all. And so uh, when you put all these things together, and what we really have is we have people breaking, Christians breaking the two first commandments, the commandments that all the law and all the prophets hang on. What? Remember, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your soul. We know we can't love God if we're practicing sin. The Bible says that those who practice sin don't love God, right? And if you're, and then the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And if we're, if we're getting in such heated disputes that it's ruining your relationship and it's ruining those that are listening and hearing, that is not love. And so sin, 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 striving about these words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers, is just sin. And Paul says here that Christians should let the subject go once it starts going south and before tempers fly. Uh, and remember, we, we always got to go back. Much of what we find in the New Testament is found in the Old Testament, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We really have the ability when, with every conversation that we're in to really go into sin or to love. And really, it's up to us whatever you know, with what we say. We can love others with our speech, or we can get in arguments, and we can sin, and we can make others, you know, and, and 
get into arguments with others and, 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 and be angry with others. And that's not what God wants. So, so Christians, Paul says here, keep away from these horrible, sinful, sinful conversations. And instead, or rather, he says, do 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Notice how he says there's one bad. Hey, this is how not to live, Christian. But then verse 15 is what you should do, Christian. This is why I prayed before the service. Lord, give us the, you know, help us to live like you want us to live. Be diligent, he says, to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Well, I can stop right there and say that in many of my past conversations with my family member, that when I would get into these heated battles and debates and things like that where there wasn't much love and I would get angry and they would get angry, then guess what? I would walk away and whoever I felt won or lost, I would always feel ashamed because I knew that I sinned. I knew that I went too far in the argument that I had and I would sin, right? And I would get into those arguments and I would be ashamed. And I would always have to go back to God, God, please forgive me of my sins. So when you're doing and you're having these kind of conversations with people, you're going to walk out of them. If you're a real Christian, you're going to be convicted. You're going to feel ashamed that you just sin because it is sin. So Paul says, don't do that. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He says, focus on living really the Christ-centric lifestyle in the way you talk. Uh, I was talking about this last week, and he says here, stay on the path of life of repentance, right? We're supposed to live repentance. True Christians live out repentance. That means you don't fall into sin all the time. You work on presenting yourself. You diligently work on presenting yourself to be a holy vessel before God, staying on the path of repentance that Hebrews 6 talks about and staying focused on the word of truth, which is God's word. Paul writes a similar thing in Ephesians 4.1. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. Now, I beseech you. Here's that word like strive, right? I beseech you. Come on, Christians. Let's do this thing. Come on, man. You can do this. I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. Come on, Christians. Don't fall into that sin. Oh, that sin is so easy to fall into. Come on, get get out of that sin and walk in righteousness and walk in holiness. I, I beseech you, therefore, walk worthy. See, that's what God wants from Christians. God expects and wants Christians to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. Not be meddling around and fooling around and sin. That's called entangled in the world and that's called self-centric. That's not called Christ-centric. Uh, it also all does exactly sound by what, like what Jesus said in Luke 13, 24. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will uh, seek to enter, but will not be able to. Um, I'm sure here, as Paul was writing this, he was remembering by God's Holy Spirit exactly what Jesus said there in Luke 13, 24. It's like almost like he just kind of reworded what Jesus said, kind of like for this occasion with words and speaking and conversations and such. God takes us, his children. Now, not the world. God hopes the world repents and hopes that people that aren't saved turn to Christ. But once we are saved, God wants his kids living a Christ-centric lifestyle with repentance. And he takes it very seriously. God expects those he saved to walk worthy of the calling by which he has called us and be diligent to present ourselves approved to God. Uh, Paul talks about it here. I'm not going to study the whole thing now. Just really quickly, he goes down to verse 19 and he says, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Well, iniquity is sin. And if you're a child of God, God's desire for you is that you would depart or, hey, I see the sinful opportunity. Oh, I see that video I could watch. I know that video I watch is not good. Oh, I see this opportunity for this conversation. And I know that every time I have this kind of conversation with this person, it's not good. I see that. I'm going to depart from that. I see that sinful opportunity coming up. I'm going to depart from that sinful opportunity. And I'm not going to take it. Let everyone who names the name of Christ, all that call upon the name of the Lord, all that would call himself a Christian, depart from sin. Now, 
So important is it that we, a Christian, be diligent to present ourselves approved to God with a holy Christ-centric lifestyle in repentance, focused on God's word of the truth, and not getting involved in sinful conversations or arguments with people uh, that are to the root of their hearers. Look at what he says in verse 16. But shun profane, I'm talking about it in just a minute, I'm just going to read the verse, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. What is he saying? He adds here to what he said earlier about our conversations with others to include staying away from profane. What does that word mean? That word means unholy or ungodly. Staying away from profane or ungodly discussions or conversations where useless matters are concerned. So any conversation that you're in even really, or that you see or that you hear where they're speaking ungodly words. And it's about useless things, useless ungodly things in an ungodly way. Paul says here, stay out of it. Don't even be involved in that conversation, Christians. He says here, why? He says, because even this leads to more ungodliness. This means, Christian, that according to God's word here, we shouldn't be involved in any conversation where people are using ungodly speech, or having ungodly conversation. What are some examples of ungodly speech? What are some uh, examples of ungodly conversations? Well, gossip's one of those. Oh, did you hear what so-and-so did by so-and-so? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, backstabbing, backbiting. Oh, oh that, see what ain't lying. Maybe a, a conversation where you know it's wrong. Excuse me, but you're lying about somebody to maybe make yourself look better. Profane language. Uh, God says, let no unclean thing come from your mouth. Profanity is very unclean to God. Any profane language in any conversation. Profanity is about God or, or the faith of Jesus Christ. These are examples, of, and, and I'm sure there's lots more. I'm just kind of hitting the top ones that I could think of when I was preparing the sermon. The ones that I've been around at the workplace or in life where I've heard people talking. Uh, also included here would be uh, uh, especially not getting into a conversation where they're talking about false teachings of God or the Bible where they're present. Unless, mind you, there's one stipulation to that, unless you're going to stand up for the truth of the Bible in the midst of that conversation. So you hear a negative conversation about God or Christ, and then you're going to step in and you say, well, actually, guys, that's not true. So you're not actually entering in their conversation. You're bringing in the truth into that false conversation, and that's different. I'm going to explain that in a minute. How can, be, how can being involved in these type of conversations lead Christians into sin? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, and 34, Paul says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. What does this mean? It means that if you're trying to do right, and you're trying to serve the Lord with your life, and then you willfully put yourself around all these bad influences, those you know that speak ungodly, those you know that live ungodly lives, and you're, and you're not just hanging out with them to shine your light and to share Christ with them, but you're hanging out with them to kind of, you know, oh, just kind of hanging out with them to be friends. That means that their ways are going to rub off onto your life. That's exactly what's going to happen. Their ungodliness is going to find a way into your life. And I've seen it happen with myself. People that I knew were godly, but I was trying to befriend them to talk to them about Christ, but it was kind of taking my slow time to doing it. And then as I was doing it, I found that I started to emulate toward the bad things that they were kind of doing. I kind of found myself kind of going off after that and kind of maybe kind of copying what they did. What I heard them say, kind of like, oh, and I said, my mind, well, that's all right. They were doing it. So be not deceived, evil company corrupt, or corrupts good habits. Uh, but you say, and I'm going to, told you I was going to talk about this, Pastor Ed, Jesus Christ himself ate and hung out with sinners of his day. Now, how do you say that? I mean, if he did it, and we're supposed to be followers of his, aren't we supposed to do what he did? Well, yes, absolutely. Jesus did hang out with the sinners of his day, the tax collectors, those that did wrong, those that probably used profane speech. But you see, Jesus did not hang out with them to talk with them in profane and idle babblings. Jesus Christ came and he put himself amongst them 
to preach to them about God's word and the way to heaven through him. And there's a difference. Uh, Second Corinthians, <coughs> excuse me, 614, Paul says, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, right? He's talking in that section about what fellowship, what togetherness has a believer with a non-believer, somebody of the light versus somebody of the darkness. Well, what fellowship, what he's talking about there is not a reaching out for evangelism, but a becoming one with and doing the same things that they do. There's a difference between coming into a conversation where you know they're doing wrong and representing Christ and preaching to them and trying to talk to them about Jesus or and the difference between you joining in a conversation and just following along their rotten, evil, unholy, ungodly conversation and being like them. And whether you know this or not, because I've seen it, I've in the past I've done it, but if you join a conversation, and here's the difference, that where there's unholy or ungodly speech going on or talking going on or conversation going on, and you start to bring up godly things about Jesus Christ or about the Bible or about God, boy, it is, it, they get angry. Right? They don't, they don't, they don't like that. They're going to kick you out. They're going to argue with you. They're going to leave or they're going to, they're going to, it ain't going to be good. The conversation, the way it was going on is going to stop and they're going to aim their anger at you because you're telling them that they're wrong. I, I remember we used to um, go to a local mall around here and a street evangelism team. I was with another church and I'll never forget this one time we were walk. we walked up and there's about two or three of us. And uh, we walked into a group of about, I don't know, it must have been 15, 20 people. They were all teenagers, you know, younger folks and stuff. And, and we walked into this group and they were all having their profane and ungodly conversations. And we were out witnessing that day. And that night, I should say, we used to go out at night on Friday nights. And I walked into the conversation and I was like, hey guys, I'm here. Let's talk about Jesus Christ. Who's ready to talk about Jesus Christ with me? Well, if you've ever been in a really dirty house or you've ever lived in an apartment, because I have back when I was a young kid, where you had roaches or these little cockroaches, these little German cockroaches, when you walk into the kitchen and it's dark and you turn on the light, man, they scatter like nobody's business. Run into the walls, run into the chem, they get out of there. Well, it was like I turned on the light in a room full of roaches. I walked into this group. There were 15, 20 kids standing there time I was done. Who wants to talk about Jesus? Maybe three. Maybe three. And a couple of them wanted to argue. One or two of them were like, well, yeah, let's talk. But about 15, about 15 or 16 of them scattered like roaches when a light being turned on. So I know exactly what, what the, the context here of not joining into the conversation and being like Paul says here, um, uh, 16, but shun profane and idle babblings versus walking in and trying to be a light for Christ and doing what Christ did, okay? Um, This is a a true thing. Uh, Whether you know it or not, just try it. Just try it. Don't be involved in their idle babblings, Paul says here. But, But instead, if you want to go reach them, go in there and try to talk to them about Jesus, but do not join their conversation. So now, while I'm on this subject, God reminds me here, while I'm on the subject of not being involved in these conversations where ungodliness and unholiness is, talk, is being talked about and you joining into it and becoming part of the conversation, um, since God says here that Christians should stay away from profane or ungodly conversations where others are, are where they're talking about useless and godly things, uh, are, uh, what do you think God would say of a Christian willfully watching a movie or listening to any music that has profanity or ungodly words or ungodly speech in it. You see, I don't really think that he'd approve. If he doesn't even want us to partake in any ungodly conversation or any unholy conversation of useless things, why in the world would he think it's okay for us to subject ourselves to ungodly words or ungodly, ungodly conversations that are being said in a movie? I think it's a no-brainer. I just think that he wouldn't. I just don't think that he's going to tell us, hey, stay out of these ungodly conversations where profanity and backbiting or ungodliness or 
you know, uh, blasphemy against me are. And then he's going to say, well, yeah, go ahead and willfully watch that movie where they use 25 swear words and they're talking about so-and-so and they're, they're, they're talking about, you know, sex and drugs and all this other stuff. I just don't think he's going to say that that's okay. God's not saying here to me there through all this, he's not saying here that we shouldn't even be in the world at all where ungodly conversations are being held. He's saying that we should not be involved in them in any way. And if we're not supposed to be involved in them in any way on a personal level, why is he going to think it's okay for us to go out of our way to watch a movie that has the same stuff in it? See, the example that I give that God's shown me is I can't be out of the world completely because God wants me to be in the world and be a light for him. So where do you draw the line? Well, see, I have a job and I have to have a job to support my family. And God says I'm supposed to be a light at that job. Well, I can't control people. So if I'm at my job and there's people there and they're having ungodly conversations and they're having, they're, they're talking profanity and they're doing all this, all that, I can't stop them from doing that. But what Paul's saying here, don't be involved in what they're doing. You know, when you're involved with somebody in their ungodly conversation or an ungodly movie or ungodly music where they're talking all this junk and this crap that they talk now, really, there is such a thing called guilty by association. And when you yoke yourself with these things willfully, you really, you become guilty by association. You become, hey, I'm going to willfully do that. Whatever they're doing, that's kind of like, hey, that's me too. So remember what Jesus said when you think about all this. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36 and 37. He says this, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And if we're involved in idle babble, ungodly profane idol babble or we're involved in ungodly idol tv or music that doesn't represent christ and in fact blasphemes him and and uses profane speech really those are kind of like our words too because we're yoking ourselves to that and that's harsh by every word you speak or associate yourself with god god will you'll either be justified or you'll be condemned. Jesus said it here in Matthew 12, 36 and 37. You see, I I say again, God doesn't play around when it comes to the words that come out of people's mouths. He is harder, and I know this for sure because the Bible says judgment starts at the house of the, at, at the, at, at, judgment starts at the house of God. Judgment starts with his children. God's harsh on these words, but he's harder on his kids who speak sinfully and submit themselves to sinful ways than he is with those in the world. So since we have 1 Corinthians 15, 34 do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits, what else do you think might come from a Christian being involved in ungodly, useless conversation? Well, look at the first part of verse 17. Paul says, and their message will spread like cancer. Their message will spread like cancer. Whatever sinful things or ungodly things that you talk about in conversations, they're going to come up. They're going to spread. People are going to know that you say them. Remember what Jesus said, Luke 8, 17. Me and my youngest son have talked about this one quite frequently. For nothing, in, for nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. See, whatever you say or do, if you're a real Christian, people are going to know about it. And if you represent Jesus to people, but then you're having evil conversations or conversations that are ungodly and profane with others, it's going to spread. People are, oh, that Job, oh, that oh that Ed, oh yeah, he's that preacher. Yeah, well, you hearing the way we talked about that guy? And it's going to spread like wildfire, ladies and gentlemen. And in this case, Paul is referencing a couple of Christians that he knew had been involved in a few too many ungodly, idle conversations. Look at the rest of verse 17. He says here, uh, And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort. Uh what happened as a result of these Christians getting involved in ungodly, idle conversations? Look at verse 18. Who have strayed concerning the truth. 
saying that the resurrection is already past and they overthrow the faith of some. You see, because they were getting involved in ungodly, profane babblings, conversations of other, they got caught up in sin. Their first sin was they were backsliding themselves. They started backsliding, sliding away from the truth. And then their second sin was they were helping others stray from the truth and backslide as well. How did this happen to them? How can this happen to us today? You see, they listened to others teaching false doctrine, unholy, ungodly false doctrine about the final resurrection already taking place. And then what they did was they believed it instead of going back to the Bible, back to God's word or back to Paul or back to Timothy and saying, hey, this is what I'm hearing. Hey, can you help me out with this? I'm struggling. I just don't know. I heard this. And I don't know. they just went around. And they start spreading it like a disease or a plague. They got caught up in the in ungodly conversation and heard this lie. And again, they weren't diligent enough to go to God's word or go to some authority in the church and find out that the resurrection hadn't happened. How could the resurrection have happened in their day? All the Christians that they had started going to, whoever's church that they were going to, they were all still there. Well, Christians were supposed to be raptured or, or resurrected. Well, all the Christians that they knew were, weren't resurrected. So how could they believe this lie? But they... I believe, uh, you know, that the un, that they just, you know, hey, they just got tricked. They were just, you know, hey, well, you know, hey, I don't know. It sounds right. And then instead of checking it out, they fell into sin. They got caught up, or excuse me, they just believed the ungodly lie that somebody told them one day, and then they started telling others. And as a result, this caused them to stray from their faith and fall into sin. Christians... Sin is the only thing that comes from ungodly conversations. Sin is the only thing that comes from ungodly TV, from ungodly music, from ungodly arguments with others that don't profit people, that are to the ruin of their hear, the ruin of the hearers. And this sin that we caught up in is not pleasing to God. And can even, like Philetus and, and, and Hymenius here, cause us to stray from him. Because that's what happened to them. And straying from the truth and, and causing the overthrow of others' faith can be eternally destructive because if you don't ever come back and you believe the lie till you die, you're going to stand before God having strayed from the faith yourself and helped others stray from the faith too. That's an ungodly doctrine that you could be listening to. What about ungodly conversation or ungodly music or ungodly TV? Well, those are just ungodly ways. I don't want to stand before God someday, someday and say, and God says, oh, Ed, you know, you thought it was okay to watch so-and-so and such-and-such and so-and-such such, because I believe kind of this one old saying. It's kind of an old-time saying. Garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you put into yourself, it's going to come out just like food. I'm kind of a heavier guy, and sometimes I eat some garbage, and whatever garbage I put in, well, that garbage comes out. And the same thing is, is with your mind. Whatever garbage you put into your mind is whatever garbage that's going to come out of your mouth. Were Hymenaeus and Philetus still in good standing with God in his eyes? So, were they still secure in their salvation, straying from the truth like they did, and causing the faith of others to be overthrown the way he did? Look at the first part of 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those that are his. Well, no, they weren't. You can't live this type of lifestyle and you can't do the kind of things that they were doing and still be secure with God. Paul makes it very clear here. God is not mocked. He knows whether you're living a Christ-centric life. He knows whether you're striving to enter into the kingdom. He knows whether you're being diligent to present yourself approved to God. He knows these things. And these guys had stopped. 
These guys had been in the truth to Christ at one time, and now they had strayed from the truth and were causing others to stumble also. They stopped running the race for Christ by God's rules. And remember verse 5, a Christian is not crowned with eternal life until he com- unless he competes and finishes the race according to God's rules. And here Paul's saying, God knows whether you or me or anybody that claims to be his is running the race by his rules or not. And in what way does he know? Well, not only does he see all, but in the seeing all, look at the rest of verse 19. Paul goes on to say, And let everyone who names the name of Christ get away from or depart from sinfulness. These guys had stopped departing from sinfulness. These guys went and they got caught up in it. They they became entangled in the world again. And they stopped departing from iniquity. They stopped departing from sinfulness. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you better depart or abstain from sinful behavior. Paul writes as far as willfulness on this sinful behavior. He writes in Hebrews 10, 26-29, he says, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, that means that we, we, okay, so now we know that God doesn't want us to do this kind of thing. If we go out today, and we go out tomorrow, and we go out the next day, and we know willfully that God doesn't want us to watch unholy movies, God doesn't want us to be involved in unholy conversation. God doesn't want us to be caught up in idle, ungodly babblings. And we just go do it. And we just go, oh, yeah, well, you know, that pastor, he was wrong. And he didn't know what he's talking about. You know, No, no. If we continue to willfully do that, look at what Paul says here. There is no longer remains a sacrifice for his sins. That means that if you willfully continue to practice a lifestyle of knowing the doing the things that God hates... And you willfully do it, and you know, because the Bible says, hey, you're not supposed to do that, and you keep doing it. That means Christ's sacrifice is no longer good for you. It's no longer good for me. He says here, he goes on to say, he says, there's not only no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. And he goes on, he says, Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy in a testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant, which is Christ's blood, counted Christ's blood by which he was sanctified, a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. God is gracious and God is merciful, but certainly if you had a child and it's a little Johnny and he had a package of eggs, or there was a package of eggs in the, in the fridge, and Johnny went out to the fridge and all of a sudden you're sitting in the other room and you hear crash, crack, squash. And you go in there and you're like, Johnny, what are you doing? Oh, I'm throwing eggs at the wall, Mommy or Daddy. I'm throwing eggs at the wall, and they're splattering everyone's eggs everywhere. Johnny, what are you doing? The first time, you might be like, okay, okay, Johnny, listen, honey. Listen, sit down, honey, and you'll explain how that's wrong. Okay, Daddy, Mommy, oh, I, I, I understand that. I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. But then, ten minutes later, after you get it all cleaned up, you hear crash, splat, bash. Wash and you run in there and Johnny's doing it again. Johnny, why didn't Daddy just tell you not to throw eggs at the wall? Why the oh you know I, I just didn't you know you're gonna spank his bottom and you're gonna be like and you're gonna be a little bit more firm this time, Johnny. Daddy said no. Now, if you do this again, and then you leave, you get it all cleaned up, and then maybe you put them to bed, and then the next day comes in, this happens five, six more times throughout the day. Now, simply, either Johnny is either not understanding what you're telling him, and the spankings haven't helped, and the putting him in the room and spanking him hasn't or he just doesn't really care what you're saying. Now, if Johnny really doesn't care what you're saying... 
then your punishment on him is either going to stop and you're going to move him to a foster care home because he really doesn't care, or you're going to beat his butt till he ain't got no butt no more. Right? Well, you can't trample on the blood of the Son of God and trample on God's grace. And because, oh, God is rich in mercy, and God is, oh, God is graceful, and you can't continue to sin and step on God's grace and God still say, all right, my son, good job. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Hey, enter into... No, I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that at all. Because see here, Hebrews 10.26, there no longer remains a sacrifice of your sins if you want to live in this way. So, where are we with Christ today? I always end this way because, you know, I always give us a chance to look at ourselves today. If you, be a, if you are a Christian... And you would claim to be a Christian. Where be you with Christ today? Are you living a lifestyle striving to be diligent to present yourself to prove to God? And that doesn't mean we're perfect now, because I'm not perfect. I got lots of room that God wants to work on me with. But I certainly am being diligent, a present thing that's currently going on, striving to be diligent to present myself approved to God. Meaning, uh, I'm, I'm working on daily, doing the things, following God's ways, following God's words. Are you living a lifestyle, uh, trying to be a worker who does not need to be ashamed, striving to live a Christ-centric lifestyle? Again, not that I'm perfected yet but I'm heading that way. Sin is decreasing in my life. Godliness is increasing in my life. My heart condition toward God is soft towards sin. I know, oh, hey, I know God's word and I don't want to do those things. This is a lifestyle that leads to life. This is a lifestyle that I want to please God. I want to live for God. This is a life I know that God wants me to live free from sin, free from bondage, servant to him, loving him, doing the things he says, or are you claiming to be a Christian, but sinning willfully like Hymenaeus and Philetus were, and getting involved with ungodly conversations, and speaking profanity, and listening to ungodly music, and TV, and movies, and such, and and making a practice, really, of sinful actions in your life where your ungodliness is increasing. See, there's one thing that's true if the Bible's true, if God's in you and you're saved and you're, you're submitting to him in this Christ-centric lifestyle, God can't be around sin. And if God's living in you and you really love him, you're going to submit to him. And when you sin, you're going to know it. And then you're going to kind of stop. You're going to pull off. Or unless you're trampling on his blood... And then you're living the way he knows you don't. He don't, you don't want him. He doesn't want you to live. L- live in this way. Uh, you know, uh, ungodliness is increasing in your life, and all this sinfulness is increasing in your life. Then, really, what it's doing is you're counting the blood of the covenant, the blood of Christ, the common thing, and you're insulting the spirit of grace, where there won't be any more sacrifice for your sins. Christ's sacrifice will not be good for your sins if you live this way. This way leads to death. God loves you and desires you to be on the path of life. But which path are you on? If today you can seriously say that you're not on the path of life because you are not living a Christ-centric lifestyle or striving to be diligent to present yourself approved to God and you don't want to be there and you want to change, well, there's good news for you today. That good news of God is found in our last two verses of the day, verses 20 and 21. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood, clay, some for honor and some for dishonor, right? In the world, there's some saved people and there's some people that have fallen off the the wagon and, and, and and they're backslidden away from Christ. And then there's some people that have never known Christ. So you see, in in, in the world, which is like this verse here, there's some people that are saved and some people that are simply not, which is some for good, some good and and a lot for bad, right? This is what verse 20 says. But verse 21, the good news, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. You see, we're all born into sin and we all have the propensity to sin and we all have the propensity to be slave to sin. 
But the Bible says that we can't cleanse ourselves and we can't even cleanse ourselves or make ourselves righteous before God. But, but thanks be to God, he allows us to become cleansed and saved from our sin and clean and out. How? Well, what, what he just said. Verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, how would we cleanse ourselves? The Bible says, if we turn to Christ, if we turn to Christ and away from our sin and self-lordship, the lordship where we run our own lives our way, if we turn away from that and we turn to Christ, he can cleanse us from our sins and save us from an eternity of damnation away from God. If we take God at his word and repent of being our own Lord and master and turn to Christ and make him the Lord and master over our lives and hearts and minds, then we can become cleansed from our sin through him and become, as Paul says here, a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Jesus said the same thing, Matthew 10, 39, the end of 39. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who surrenders himself runs to the rock of refuge, which is Christ, turns his path to the Lord Jesus, surrenders and says, God, I don't want to be that way anymore. Jesus, I need you and I know I'm in sin. Save me and get me out of this lifestyle. I don't want to be like this anymore. Then he shall be saved and cleansed. See, because Christ paid the, the, the sin penalty on the cross almost 2,000 years ago. You didn't do that. You can't do that. We're sinners. Only a perfect spotless lamb could pay for the sins and atone for the sins. And Christ was that perfect spotless lamb who died for the sins of the world. And only he, ladies and gentlemen, could pay your price for sin. And the only way to him is through surrender. But we must turn to Him and place all our trust in Him. And we must surrender our lives to Him so that we can find our eternal lives and stay in this state until we die. Proverbs 18.10. I love this verse. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Listen. The righteous run to it and are safe. If we run to Him instead of running to the sin, then we shall be saved. So, whether you are not in Christ at all and have never been, or whether you have surrendered in the past but have backslidden away, please turn your eyes upon Jesus, fall on your knees, and submit yourself to Him and surrender, and start running the race according to God's rules for the crown of life. Because it's only for those that love him. I don't know where you're at, but I know where I am, and you know where you're at with God. I just pray that after today or soon, you will turn and surrender and repent if you're not right, and get right before you get left. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this message, and thank you so much, Lord God, for your word. Thank you so much for your, your love. Lord, one day there will be no more repentance. One day everything will all be said and done. Everything will all be finished, Lord. And, and you'll have judged the world and, and the, the people that loved you will be in heaven and the people that didn't love you will be in hell. And, and Lord, and everything will be finished and new heavens and the new earth will be there, Lord. And, and then at that point, there is no more repentance. Lord, once somebody is in hell, once they've made their bed and now they're laying in it, and once they're done, that's it. They've, they've, they've chosen their path and they live that path till they die, Lord, and then they end up in hell forever. Lord, at that point, there, there's no more repentance. And once everything's all said and done and the judgment has happened, then there's no more repentance, Lord. But today, there's repentance, Lord. Today, there's forgiveness from our sins. Today, Lord, there's your love that is waiting for all that turn to you. You love us, Lord. We must decide to love you back. We must turn to you and love you back in order to be in a right standing with you. And we must love you with our lives, Lord, until we die. So I pray, dear God, for those out there listening, if they're not right with you, 
if they're in some kind of willful sin and, and they know it, they may be trying to explain it away right now, Lord God, but Lord, I pray to you wouldn't let them. I pray you convict them, Lord. And I pray that you drop them to their knees and that they would fall to their knees and they would repent and cry out to you and ask for forgiveness and stop sinning, Lord, and turn to Christ. Stop the willful lifestyle of sin and turn to Christ. Help them to do this, Lord. Show them how great your love really is. I pray they'd start seeking you and they come to know you. Thank you, Lord God, for all that you do and all all the ways in which you love and all the ways in which you offer repentance. And I just thank you for all these things. And I ask all these things and pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God, everyone. It's Pastor Ed here. and Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because your life will soon be passed and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015, and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions, or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love Him back by the way you live your life. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.